Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather today, Lord. We just ask for your spirit to move freely. Do what it is you need to do this morning. Teach us what you need to teach us. Let us not live here, leave here the same. In Jesus' name, amen. What a powerful last two songs. I mean, the first two songs, or the first song was a song that we all know and that you may even hear on 106.9 from now until the end of Christmas season. But those, what? Back sitting to jingle. 106.9. <laughs> <laughs> More FM. Uh, but the, the last two, what, what, what a great declaration that we're declaring the king is coming, right? That's what we're doing right now. We're, we're lighting candles to declare the king is coming. And before I forget, we're going to do that. Kids, come here. Because I almost forgot. Today we light the love candle. And the love candle is about, what do you think? Love. <laughs> Good. You guys are sharp. Um, I want you guys to tell me one way in your life that people around you make you feel loved. They it shouldn't be that hard. Your parents are right behind you. They care for you. They care for you? Okay. Yeah. They let you live in their house. They do. <laughs> and they charge you very low rent. Yeah. They feed you. They feed you. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's pretty important. What do you think? Ben, every time I've seen you for the past three days, you've had a candy cane, bro. <laughs> You're going to start smelling like peppermint. <laughs> what do you think? You got one? I don't really know. There's all kinds of things, right, that, that, that people do in your life. What about, like, even teachers? Sometimes, like, a teacher will do something, and it'll just make you feel different, they make you feel like... They teach you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they, they do that. <laughs> That's for the paycheck, just saying. <laughs> the extra stuff they do is because... <laughs> some of us choose to do things for free um, there, there's lots of things that go around right? and you, you, there's things that happen that you feel loved doing right how about this what do you guys do to make people around you feel loved oh, I wish you could see Caitlin's face right now she was so ready to answer the last one this one she went <laughs> in her mind I hear busted what do you think? What do you do to make people feel loved around you? Um, hug. Hug? Yeah. That's a big one for your mom, huh? You make them smile. Make them smile? Like by Happy. putting on a clown nose? <laughs> be kind. You be kind? Okay. Yeah. Being my parents' servants. Whoa. She just said she wants to be your servant. <laughs> that, that is, right? Those are all ways that we show love, right? So today we light the love candle because... We celebrate the biggest gift of love ever, right? And that's Jesus. So Jesus came to show us how to love and how to be loved. Did you know that he surrounded himself with people that were sometimes hard to love? And you know what they did? They loved him too. You have Advent glasses. Those are purple glasses. It's always been my favorite. They're pink. Oh, pink and purple. So they'll be good for next, next week too. Jesus, Jesus loved those around him. But he also let people love him. And that's hard to do sometimes, right? So today we're going to light the love candle in this idea that we are accepting the love of Jesus so that we can go out then and love other people. Okay? Go sit down. Who wants to light this? I'm not giving you fire. 
Today, as we light the love candle, let this be a symbol to you that are loved to be an instrument of love to other people as we go forward in this Advent season. The, uh, just the sheer lighting of this candle is a countdown, right? There's four candles, there's four weeks of Advent. There's, this is one aspect of counting down to something that, that, that we look forward to. I think the invention of Advent calendars was because parents just got way too... Have you ever done this? If you are a parent and you had littler kids and you said, we're going to Disneyland next month. It's the worst mistake you could possibly make because every day they wake up and ask, is it next month? Is it next month? Is it next month? And there's this, this thing that we can't always comprehend, but there's something that countdowns do that give us a sense of it's coming. It is coming. It is coming. We have a, a little sign in our house that says, how many days till Christmas that we swap out every day? The other day, I was getting ready to swap it out, and my family does not trust that I can do math. So... <laughs> Every morning they ask Alexa how many days until Christmas, and then when Alexa confirms what I have on the board, they, they don't say, oh, you were right, Dad, or anything. They just kind of scoff and walk off. <laughs> but the other day, we asked Alexa, and, and she said 20 days or whatever, and Julie just about had it. She freaked out. And now, now my favorite thing about that sign is the anxiety it gives my wife. <laughs> so sometimes countdowns can be amazing. Other times, countdowns can induce this amount of pressure that we have to live up to. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there is a sense of a countdown when someone is pregnant, right? There are, there are milestones, and now, now, this is the greatest thing in the world for those that are, that are countdown people. When you are with child, you can go on a website and find out how big that child is based on fruit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can figure out if you got a grape or a kumquat or an avocado. It, it's all in there. And, and, and every month, there's these things that you can do. Every week, you find out what size fruit they are. And then every month, you're going to the doctor. And then they get closer and closer. So there's this countdown feeling that takes place. There's this, this, this date that they give you, which is made up. I'm quite convinced of that. And, and they just tell you, I think the date helps us sleep, right? You have this date. But what happens, those of you that have gone past that date, when it's three days after, four days after, <laughs> see, she's still bitter. <laughs> Five days after, all of a sudden it's a week after your due date. And then it's a two weeks after your due date. And you are cussing that doctor. And you're like, remeasure, because this is not okay. And, and, and all of a sudden, when we miss a due date, everything goes into turmoil because you've been counting down to this day. I want to ask the kids a quick question right now. What's gonna ha- what would happen if on Christmas Eve you went to bed knowing that the next day was Christmas? N- knowing that you were going to wake up and it was all going to be there. And you were going to spend the whole day unwrapping and playing with stuff that you've never seen before. Fox boys, you get Legos galore. You spend the whole day building stuff. What happens if you wake up and it's just another day? Now, it's not about the presents, I know that, but there's something exciting about those, right? (laughs) And and just, what would happen if your parents said, you know, this year we decided we're going to make Christmas on the 28th instead? (laughs) 
I didn't tell you. It, yeah, the back is like, all that stuff I said about them loving me, I take it all back. <laughs> There's something about countdown and anticipation that it makes it doable because we know there's a date where it's going to end. Here's the problem. No one knows when this second advent is going to take place. And we're stuck in between. We're stuck in this world where Christ has come, but Christ has not fulfilled his coming yet. And so we know there's another returning of Jesus. But we also know that Jesus came into the world to redeem the world. But we know the full redemption has not come. But we don't know when that's going to take place. It's almost as if there's 400 years of silence that we're just waiting for it to be broken. And in the midst of that, how do we focus without a date? How do we do it? Well, you think back to when, when, when Jesus was born in that first century time of everything that was going on, the silence. And all of a sudden, John... John being, being conceived and, and the angel Gabriel showing up to Zechariah and saying, this is the child that you have been promised that I said I would bring you and now you're going to name him John. And Zechariah says, whoa, John, that's not a family name. Why would I name him John? And the angel Gabriel goes, fine. You want to talk back to me? You're not talking back to anyone for the next nine months. Best nine months of Elizabeth's life. <laughs> no complaining, nothing, you know. And, and, and she said, go get me some pickles and ice cream. And he just had to go up. I can't really talk back to her. So there, there's this, this, this message that came before the message that was coming. And we get to live in this time right now. We, we live in this extended John the Baptist era where we proclaim the king is coming. And there's some lines in that song that are just so great, so powerful. And just they, they cast this, this amazing picture of, of the city lights being burnt out. And I, I imagine, in my mind, I don't know if that's how the songwriter meant it, but like, because they're burning so, but you have you ever seen like a light will burn so bright it just pops? Right? The, the, the king is coming, and we're going to do everything to declare that. This is the message that John the Baptist bore. And so when Mary shows up at Elizabeth's house, and Elizabeth says she can feel John leap with joy inside of her belly, what a great picture. What a great picture of declaring that the Lord is coming. And then John from, from I, I just, I picture the two cousins playing and, and all this crazy stuff that it probably isn't true. But in my mind, I picture them hanging out and like running down to the creek and doing all these things. And then John has this great call that he has to fulfill. And scripture says that he is basically Elijah coming to pave the way. And all of a sudden, John gets his clothing call and it's camel hair and leather and then they say and by the way what I need you to do is move out to the wilderness the desert area and just eat locusts and honey and in case you're wondering six-legged insects are kosher so he was cool there and do you ever wonder like did he dip it like chips <laughs> or was it like he ate it and then took a bite of honey because he just couldn't get that taste out of his mouth? And, and I picture, this is why I love David Crowder, because he gives me a vision of what John the Baptist looked like. <laughs> I was at a David Crowder concert one time, and he literally had a towel on stage that he would use to wipe his beard. It was that sweaty at the end of a show. He would just like, and it's like streaming out. Uh, but like, but that, that, this is how I picture John the Baptist just looking 
I think this may be where the term hot mess comes from. <laughs> but just looking disheveled and just out there and sun-beaten, leather-cracked skin, hair everywhere, big old bushy beard. Like, and he's walking around, literally the first one to say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is nigh. I wonder if he had a sandwich board. They would have said. But just walking around with this message of, of repentance and making this way, paving this way. Now, here's, here's John the Baptist's advent. Do, do you think there were moments where he's like, when is he coming over the hill? John, every day is baptizing people in the Jordan. Every day baptizing people. People coming from all over the world probably to see the weird guy out in the wilderness. But converting to this message of repentance. Submitting to this message of repentance. And every day he wakes up and goes, is today the day Jesus will come over the hill? Is today the day that the Lamb of God will crest that mountain and come into my valley to be baptized? When is this going to happen? I am so tired of eating insects and honey. I need this to be done. When is it going to take place? And then the day comes where he is baptizing in the Jordan and he is preaching this, this prophetic message of Elijah that the kingdom is coming. And he looks up out of the river, up on top of the crest, and he sees his cousin Jesus. The one that he recognizes every time he sees him, even in utero, he recognizes him. He recognizes him right away, and he stops. And I can just imagine the line of people, I mean, bear with me here, I'm taking some, some creative license here with scripture. But I can imagine the line of people that are waiting to be baptized. And John just stops. And he's looking up, and he sees as Jesus comes down. And then I wonder this, did Jesus wait in line? Like, I, like did he come over the mountain and just wait his turn? Or was it such a huge thing for John that he had fast pass? He got to go right past the line and just get baptized. Because here's why I like that version. I hate cutters. Don't you cut me in line. You better stay in your own spot. And don't be saving spots either. Pushing through and saying my family's up there. Well, you're back here. You're riding solo today. But there's this amazing picture that comes from Jesus bypassing the line and just walking in and John going, I don't, I, I, I'm not fit to tie your shoes, untie your sandals. What, what am I supposed to do with you? And Jesus says, do this. And then all of a sudden the baptism takes place and the, it says the heavens split open. Schizoid, the same word, the, 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 the word we get, schizophrenic, like two different things. It's, they split open and this voice People think it's a booming voice, but God is clearly a tenor. And it speaks into the world. This is my son, whom I am well pleased. And everyone in line hears it. Now, can you, be, can you imagine being the person baptized after Jesus? Like, think that the line didn't just go away. People were still being baptized. And this person goes, I'm next. Walks out of the water. And can you just for a second think about what that meant for him? He just, he just heard that this is my son, God speaking to the crowds, and all of a sudden he is baptized knowing but unknowing. I mean, you need faith to be baptized, but this guy was easy. He had just heard the voice of God. Of course you're going to be baptized. 
And so he goes down and he comes up and he's changed. And next, and next. And the baptisms keep going on because John keeps saying this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And now all of a sudden, all of this waiting, all of the waiting from, from Malachi to now, all of the waiting of John walking around the desert, all of it has been fulfilled. It is taking place. It is now something that is brand new happening. God has spoken into the world again and everybody heard it. Everything is different. And now, John sits back and says, this is it. Let's read about this. I'll read it on the screen. It's in... uh, Matthew. (laughs) Matthew 3.1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who has spoken of, this is he who is spoken of through prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the path for him. John's clothes are made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist because the camel is kind of A-frame and he really needed to give it some kind of text, like it had to conform a little bit. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. And they were confessing their sins. They were baptizing by by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And so do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God God can raise up the children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chafe with the unquenchable fire. Here's why this last part is important. This is before Jesus shows up. This is in John's advent. The Pharisees and Sadducees are coming around. They're asking questions, and he is bold enough to say this to them. You brood of vipers. You have no fruit of repentance. You keep coming back here. There's nothing changed in your life. How dare you? Can you imagine this wild man having the faith that his cousin was coming, the Messiah of the world, enough to look at the religious leaders and going, I don't even need to fear you. There is something coming over those horizons that I am not even, I can't even, I shouldn't even be talking about. It's that that big. It's that big. It's going to change everything. Well, here's the difference of where we live right now the in-between of Advent. This was declared before Jesus came, before Emmanuel, before the Incarnation. Now, today, we get to proclaim the second coming with the same boldness, but with this message of grace that comes along with it. This message of repent for God's return is coming. Repent for, for this is happening. But it's, it, it's not just... Then, 
It's then. And we get caught here. In uh, one of the, I, I get real crazy around uh, Advent time with the devotions that I read, and I'm reading like five different plans right now. Um, and I don't even remember which one this is. I think this one came from the U version one that I'm going through right now. Um, and the context was shaky, but the, the, uh, the, the truth of the line was just incredible. And it hit me in a way that just made me rethink the way that I do Advent. They, they were talking about the way that Elizabeth was, was preparing um, for this. And, and, and Elizabeth went away into preparation longer than most women do. And they speculated on why that is. And I think it was not true. But uh, it was speculation. It's fun for them to do that. But the bottom line is she did go into preparation longer than, than most women would. And uh, the line was, Lord, prepare me for what you've prepared for me. Lord, prepare me for what you've prepared for me. I've never read a line that summarizes Advent better than that. Lord, prepare me for what you've prepared for me. Christmas looks so different to everyone. I actually heard a guy on a TV show last night, a documentary, declare he hates Christmas. We were at youth group and we were playing these Christmas games and one of the students is like, I don't know anything about this. I hate Christmas. I don't relate to that. I, lo- I might be part elf. I love it. But Christmas is so different to all of us. And so during Advent, for the incarnation, for Emmanuel, for God amongst us, for this preparation that John the Baptist has laid out, for all of these things that are going on, from, from Elizabeth and Zechariah to Mary and Joseph, for this countdown that's coming, for this Christmas morning, for this time that we stop and we celebrate the incarnation, maybe what we need to do is stop and pray, Lord, prepare me for what you prepared for me. In the sense that whatever Christmas looks like to you, it's not about that. Whatever, whatever memories you're carrying that make Christmas hard for you, it's not about that. There are people that are here and people that are affiliated with our church. This is going to be a tough Christmas, remembering loved ones that aren't going to be here this year. There are people that are here and that people that are affiliated with our church that are going to remember that this could have been their baby's first Christmas when they lost that baby. And there's going to be pain in that. And there's going to be sorrow in that. And there's going to be mourning in that. And there's going to be times that they're going to sit back and they're going to, they're going to look at the tree and think about what it would look like with that baby's first Christmas ornament on there. And, and it's not there. And, and that's going to be heart-wrenching. There's going to be people that are going to be decorating the tree this year and they're going to hang an ornament that their loved one always hung. And they're not here to do that this year. And, and so there's going to be these things. But here, I wanted to speak to you I want to speak to your heart right now so you know this. It's not about that. Embrace your pain. Embrace your sorrow. Let that be real. But know that what we are celebrating is the incarnation of God. Is the Emmanuel, God amongst us in the midst of our journey. What got John the Baptist through that advent in the wilderness was that he knew that Christ was coming. 
He knew that someday over that mountain was going to be Jesus. And he knew this new kingdom was going to be ushered in. We have to live our lives in the midst of this Advent knowing that this new kingdom has been ushered in. And this new kingdom will be fulfilled as we help usher it in. As we be God amongst us. As we take on the flesh of God and be the difference in the world that we live in. And I'm telling you right now, it is not easy to do. Monday when I walked into the building, there was, um, we'll call it a smell. That was overwhelming. And, and if you don't know, we, for these two weeks, we're hosting the homeless shelter, the Nile Street Shelter. And I walked into our vestibule, and that's a fancy word, um, and it just, it was just this, this sweat and stale smoke and alcohol, and it just, it just, it was, it, it was overwhelming. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, what have we signed up for? How are we going to do regular stuff in this building with this? And then I remember that incarnation is incarnation. God with us is God with us. And how God has chosen to operate through the world since the beginning of time is through his people. And so this morning there was a, a gentleman in the parking lot who was gathering his belongings, um, which were just rocks that were a lot around the parking lot. And I, I said, hey, what's going on? And he said, Oh, the kids, they dumped my stuff out, and I got to get it, okay? Um, and he said, what's your name? And I said, I'm JJ. What's, what's your name? He said, I'm Blake. And I shook his hand, and he didn't know what to do because I shook his hand. And we were reminded during this time that in the midst of silence, God went to those who had no dignity, the shepherds, and declared, the Savior is born. When we walk by the Salvation Army kettle, most of us don't carry change anymore, and I think it's just a matter of time before they get a square. <laughs> but you know what? You don't have to carry change to just take the time to look back at them and wish them a Merry Christmas as well. You don't have to give them anything as they ring that bell and, and, and uh, like, I'm not innocent of this. I, I choose the least passive resistance, the door that's not occupied. It's easier sometimes. But John the Baptist looked like that. He looked like one of those people. He looked like the one that we would walk on the other side of the street when we cross. Maybe, maybe, maybe this time of year it puts more of this emphasis, and we talk about John the Baptist paving the road and this countdown towards something big where God is coming in, but we need to also remember that God has already come and his kingdom is here, and it is our job to make sure that kingdom is real and alive. And so when you're at McDonald's and you might buy an extra cup of coffee, but you might not, and I would at least challenge this, this is going to be harder than buying a cup of coffee because that's easy. Shane Claiborne wrote in one of his books that it's not that we don't want to help the poor, we just don't know any of them. 
So it's almost easier to write a check sometimes than it is to meet one of those people. And I met a lot of them. I come down every morning at 6.30 to lock up the building. And some of them are great. And they have great stories. And they just want to talk to you. And here's, here, here's what I've noticed. I had a friend of mine who ministered in San Francisco for a long time. And we had a meeting over there. And one of the things we did for the meeting was walk the tenderloin and just passed out meals. And he recognized them and they recognized him. And we were talking to this man and he said, you know what I love about you, Keegan? You always looked at me. Can you imagine being invisible? That's how those people that make us uncomfortable, they feel invisible because we don't look at them, because we feel guilty that they're going to ask for something. You know how I just want to challenge you, eye contact goes so far to someone that feels invisible. And as the kingdom of heaven has been ushered, we are that kingdom. We are the eye contact that they need. We are the handshake that they need. We are the cup of coffee that they need. Yes, it's so easy to be like, well, they're just going to buy drugs and alcohol. I have met at least 30 men every morning. Four of them are probably going to buy alcohol, (laughs) gauging on the way they stumble in and the way they smell when they leave. There are so many. Four of them have jobs. And they drop, one of them drops his wife here every night and goes out and drives a cab all night long and then comes back and picks her up. And they're just waiting until they're in that place where they can get a place. The dignity that we can give back by just acknowledging. What happens? The kingdom of heaven is coming. Let us be that kingdom. Let us show up in a way John's message is not for something far off. John's message now is us, right now, today, becoming the kingdom of heaven. To make that time of waiting until we then celebrate and we reignite. On Christmas Day, we get to be reminded, not told. We're reminded of the incarnation. Let us live as a people that know that Jesus came, calls us the kingdom of heaven, and has issued us marching orders. The band's going to come back up, and we're going to move into connecting time.